Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People, and I'm here with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is Learn Your Genre, How to Dissect a Novel You Love. So before we get into the topic, let's go ahead and cover what we did this week. All right, um, my week was pretty cool, uh, aside from, you know, just basic holiday stuff. Uh, I am now reading and noting Ruby Key. Um, which I have awesome. to go through. Yeah, I have to go through the whole of the Ruby Key. I have to go through the whole of um, the Silver Door and write down notes, find areas where I put questions into the story that I want to pick up for the final book in the series. And I can really tell from this that I was planning on writing seven books. I can't cause... God, <laughs> I went big, big, big on the world building. So uh, the the Emerald Sun might be a little longer than the first two. I am trying to keep it to the same size because I want it to feel like a cohesive three-book trilogy set, like like I had planned it that way from the beginning. Yeah. But it, it's, it looks like it's going to be a tight squeeze. Mm. Um <laughs> And let's see, I, f- I am still in progress on lesson 17 of how to uh, write a novel, which is uh, figuring out the novel middle. This is one of those things that uh, most beginning writers have a huge problem with is, well, okay, I got the story started, but now I'm in the middle and oh God, oh God, what do I do? <laughs> And it's really pretty simple. It's a very straightforward process. Um, you have specific questions you ask. You have specific things you look for in the early part of your novel. And the lesson is coming together really good, and I'm having fun making it. So, Yay. yeah. So, and let's see. Then from that, oh, yeah. And then Dead Man's Party. Uh, I am continuing to write on that. And uh, I am, in fact, using a lot of the process that we're going to be doing today to figure out... Um, just kind of what I want. Well, no, I'm actually using the process that I'm using in the lesson that I'm writing to figure out what goes in the middle. Yeah, okay, because we're not doing novel middles. We are we are doing learning your genre. I got a little excited Confused. by my other topic there. Uh, <laughs> okay, so how about you? Um. Well, <clears throat> mine has been interesting. I have gotten words, which I'm very, very grateful, but they're very, very little. And... Um, part of it was, uh, like I told you, I ran out of my prescription and it was just a pain in the ass to actually try and go get it. So I was, it was amazing how by the second day it just started to affect me. And I think I had all of four days without it. And like the first day there was this huge headache, second and third day, huge headache, but it just... It, it was very, very, very strange going off of Paxil because I thought I was getting a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. 
and happier and everything. And it's like, okay, well, it's part of the process. So you are getting better, but not that quickly. I was actually really, really looking forward to telling my doctor, the one that prescribed them that, you know, no, I don't need them because I'm fine. You know, like. Right. Yeah. I I remember being there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been years, but yeah, I remember. I just didn't want to be on these anymore. And I, they don't affect me like the stuff affected you. Yeah. So I can keep taking them. Um, but it was just a problem of, <laughs> I thought I was doing a whole lot better than I, than I apparently am because I had a couple of panic attacks and I was, I, I had like almost these manic swings. It was like just very, very happy, but for a short period of time. And that's when I would call you guys, um, like called Mark. I just, I felt really, really like I wanted to talk to somebody mm-hmm. and, very happy and excited about stuff and then went right back down (laughs) yeah but i feel proud because i did manage to get some words in that's cool and it's not very much i think um i think i might be at 32 or thirty-five thousand words that's pretty good you're shooting for what 40 or 50 no you're shooting shooting 70 no i'm shooting for 50 50 right now oh okay 50 and then it goes up to 70 in the revision yeah. Because, yeah. I, <laughs> because like me, you add. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I would way prefer to find things fitting within the story to add. So, yeah. So I, I think that we both have something to be proud of as far as this week. Um, listening to all the stuff that you get done, it's just like, man, I can't wait to be back in that that area. But that's the thing is like. No matter what you're going through, that's your area. Mm-hmm. So it's it's frustrating for me because it's like I can't wait. Well, you shouldn't be waiting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's but 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 you're dealing with depression, and that's not easy. You know the yeah. fact that you are accomplishing things it puts you way above at where where I was uh, initially. My objective for the day was simply to get out of bed, get a shower, get dressed, and make sure you and your brother ate. <laughs> that was yeah. all I could accomplish. Well, that, I mean, it, it's also, I don't have all of these people depending on me to eat. So it's a little bit yeah. less. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> that that was that was rough, but you have people, you have... You have Tony depending on you. You have all the cats and the dogs. Oh, yeah. And, you know. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I don't have, um, maybe that's part of the reason why I'm not feeling as much pressure because I don't have the threat of going homeless or um, the threat of, you know, nobody's going to eat, they're all going to starve, that sort of thing. So maybe that's why I'm not pushing myself as much as I could. Well, that's fine. You did. That's pushing myself didn't get me there any faster. I got to tell you, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> we we were in a bad way for a while there, and I didn't know while I was taking that stuff if I was ever going to be able to write again. And then I came off of it, and I came off of it because we couldn't afford it anymore. Oh, so okay. you know, I was not I was not okay, and I had not been told by my doctor that it was okay for me not to take it. 
I just couldn't afford the prescription anymore, so I quit. And that was not fun either. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. So um, I found an herbal thing that worked pretty well at the time. St. John's work. Yep. And that was that was what I did. And and at least with St. John's Word, I could start writing again. Yeah. You know, that was a big deal. Because with the prescription medication, I couldn't. I, I, I could not write. There was nothing there. That, which that's, that's terrifying to realize that there is, a, there is a place in you where that can happen. That, there is, well, that it is a chemical thing that if you have the wrong chemical in your body... That will yeah. just, pew, your, your writing yeah. will go away. That was terrifying. And people might not even realize what's happened. They just, they think it's the depression. They think it's, you know, mm-hmm. so that that's definitely something to, to watch out for. But it's, it's just, it's, to me, it's more amazing than anything else. Terrifying would be all of the ways that you can hit your head and not be you anymore or oh, yeah. not have these stories anymore or Tony and I have been watching um, Night Watch just the first two seasons and it's EMTs and stuff like that mm-hmm. it, it, it's terrifying oh yeah <laughs> just just to see you know and it's amazing there's lots of happy stories but at the same time like like the Prozac with you yeah you never know what can change everything about you so. right Right. Yeah. No, it's, it, that's, <clears throat> there are things after you have worked in, in the ER and as an RN for 10 years, um, there are parts about you that you do not wish to look at too closely because <laughs> they are just a little too tender for comfort. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is almost kind of like a perfect segue because we have dissected a whole bunch of stuff right now. Let's, let's <laughs> talk about, uh, the topic, which is, Learning your genre and dissecting a, a favorite novel. There you go. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do here is give each of us talk about our genres, our steps, and then I have a worksheet that everybody can download from this episode. Uh, you just go to our website, um, the Alone in a Room with Invisible People website. And, and that is alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Yes. And it will be right on the page with this episode. And all you have to do is click the button. You will get your download. And it is a PDF. It's kind of a longish PDF because I put this together before we taped this episode and um, was kind of working through the process so that I could show it to you. And it's not a short process, but this is the process that I used when teaching myself how to write romance novels the first time, and then when teaching myself how to write suspense romance when I had to switch genres after uh, I had to take a break away from fantasy and science fiction. So this this is that process, and I can guarantee it, it does work. I cannot guarantee that you will get saleable books out of it, because that's up to you. But this process works because this is how I sold my first um, suspense romance to my agent just like on 20 pages and and it sold just really fast. So, man. Yeah. No. Go ahead. I have a question. This is um, an episode that we're doing in response to the request in the forums, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so I just wanted to remind people, if you have a question or if you have something that, you know, you feel we didn't touch on deeply enough, go ahead and go into the forums. We have a place to ask it for questions, concerns, that sort of thing. Let us know what you're thinking because we had someone asking that they wanted to know more in depth how to dissect a novel, how it worked for Holly, what what kind of roles she used for herself or that sort of thing. So that's why we're covering this topic. So yeah. any Good. questions that you have? Go ahead and, and give us. Yeah, that could be. This is the exact answer to that question. So yeah. yes, okay. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is what genre or genres do you love, and this is really important. I'm not talking about stuff you don't mind, uh, stuff that eh, you can put up with it. You know, stuff that you think, well, you know, if I could make a buck at it, I could probably hold my nose. This is what do you really love to read. And you start, and then I'll go with mine. Okay. Um, I love kind of, it's a lot of stuff, but some of the things are harder for me to find. Um, obviously, like, paranormal, ghosts, you know, I, I love hauntings, I love ghost huntings. So anything ghost-related at all, pretty much. Um, as long as it's actually spooky, I, I don't want to read these comedies and and weird shit with ghosts so um like suspenseful or horror paranormal horror romance um i really want i don't know if it's a genre to itself but i want more books about cryptids to come out because i love cryptozoology i read all about the I, i read the nonfiction cryptozoology stuff and uh if you think that even the nonfiction is fiction, catch me outside, bro. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even go there. But yeah, so I want, I want there to be like fictional stories with the cryptids. Um, I love fantasy, but I prefer the kinds with like, you know, dwarves and gnomes and just, just like a whole bunch of really cool creatures and and adventure. <laughs> um trying to think i mean i i read so much stuff and i love so much of it but i think those are really really the main ones is the the paranormal or the extraterrestrial even like um the romance suspense horror i think that's probably it cool um for me genres that i truly love are science fiction, um, but not overly techy, buried in the details science fiction. I like science fiction adventure. I like science fiction space opera. Um, I like uh, science fiction that has a point and a story and a and, and where the, the characters are the point, not where the tech is the point, yeah. but where the tech gets you to places where your characters could not otherwise go. Along with that, I love some fantasy. I'm, I'm a little picky about my fantasy, but I have read everything. Um, so I prefer stuff like what Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett wrote, where you have worlds and strangeness and, again, characters that I really love and they're 
saying something more than just what the story is about. Um, I am not a big fan of kings and queens and princesses uh, and never have been. Uh, I like characters who come from uh, ordinary folk and who do, do something magnificent. And uh, let's see, beyond that, I don't read much anymore, uh, but do enjoy things like uh, paranormal suspense, romance, um, and, and um, just anything kind of weird. I'd, I forgot to mention, too, you started talking about, like, the kings and queens. I love historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, it, especially if it's done right, where they have details of different things, and you could tell it was researched, and you, you can look up the things and find out, wow, that that was done right. Mm-hmm. But not, like, overly, not like the elephant, you know, they just give you the berries everywhere. Yeah. Um, And westerns, too. I completely forgot. I Yes. I like westerns. Louis L'Amour. I, I like westerns. Yes. I I've do. actually never read Louis L'Amour. Really? I have three or four of his books. He's good. Um, but yeah, I've never, I have not read him yet. Oh, yeah. God, yes. And detective fiction and um, murder mysteries yes, and see. crime <laughs> and yes. Oh, God, all of that. I love that stuff. And um, the, the things like what Dean Koontz is writing right now with um, this FBI agent gone rogue after her husband was uh, killed in a conspiracy. And uh, it's things, things that tie into what I see as problems in the real world uh, or as potential problems in the real world, even not that we're there yet, but that we could get there. Um, so, so all of that, that, I love all of that. And this is important because everything you love is going to start finding a way into your books. It is very, very difficult if you love murder mysteries and crime stories and um, cop novels and uh, romance and science fiction and fantasy and, and you are you adore all of these. It is very very difficult to write a straight romance novel, and you can ask me how I know, and I will tell you because damn it, I tried, and I am incapable of writing a just pure romance. It ends up with ghosts or with crime or with ghosts and crime and paranormal stalkers, and um, spree murderers. <laughs> and strippers and oh ghosts yeah more ghosts because I have to tell stories that I would want to read and this is going to be true for you as well you it yeah it might be that's the thing is mine like I I love ghosts and I I want to write the glass house and I I want to write all these stories about cryptids but I wrote a suspenseful romance and that was the genre that I was shooting for and I while I you know when you're writing anything you want to write something else you know it just pops in your head every now and then <laughs> oh man I I should be doing this or I could be doing this but for the most part I was able to write the romance and and it was fine you know oh it so, was I mean, very good well I mean it was it was 
I'm just saying it was not killing me to not put other stuff in there. So but, I think other people might might be like me as well, you know. But what I mean? you did put other stuff in there. There was there. I you didn't put you did not put uh, ghosts or anything like that in it. But or you cryptids. have social issues that you put in there. You had yeah, have, but that that's the reason that I I picked a the one that I picked, it was mm-hmm. a suspense romance. Yeah. And if you're going to write anything, period, anything at all, it should have reasons and purpose and and, and meaning to it. Right. So it's, it's not like I had a difficult time writing a straight romance because that's all that that is, is the genre is romance. It has other things in it, but you should never write anything, I think, without some sort of purpose or meaning. Right. Or, well, you, you had know? your motorcycle background in there, and you had your work history in there. Yeah, but that's not making it a different genre. No, no, but no, but it's it was within the realm of suspense romance, it was considerably deeper than a lot of suspense romances that I have read. And I read well, a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I mean, I'll take that. But it just, I, I don't want people to worry that, you know, they've always wanted to write romance, but they like romance, fantasy, horror, that sort of stuff. And they, they want to really want to write a romance. And they think that, oh, well, I can't because I want to put everything in it. But that's not necessarily true for everybody. Well, that's you know? true. Yeah, that's that's all I was trying to to say is is like it it wasn't so hard for me. But then again, I I have glass house or I have other things on the side exactly that I can work on exactly. So. You you have <laughs> everything you love is going to show up in your writing. It isn't all going to show up in the same book, um, but it will sooner or later find its way into your stories. So okay, so now we're going to look at and I'm going to go through. The, the first part of the dissection process for you, which is when you know what you want to write, and let's say you want to write suspense romance, you need to ask people who read this genre regularly. If you don't, um, if you do, you pick out your like three or four favorite authors and you pick up several books from each of them. If you don't read in the genre in which you want to write and have to learn how to write, that's where I was with suspense romance. It was at that point in my life, I was not reading it, but I knew people who were making money at it. And, uh, they said, Hey, you know, you can actually make some money at this. And I was having a hard time selling my science fiction and my, and my fantasy because I had had trilogies in both that, uh, had not done as well as we had hoped with the little quotes. (laughs) Yeah, because that is how everything goes. And then you end up finding yourself shopping for another publisher. So I found myself shopping for another genre. So the, what you do is you ask someone who is a big reader in the genre that you love or several someones, who do you recommend? What author really kicks ass at this? And, uh, the recommendations that I got, I I got a bunch for authors whose work I did not like, but I got two that were pure fucking gold. Uh, one was Linda Howard 
and the other was Jennifer Cruzy. And both of these women write suspense romance, but they write suspense romance that clicks with me. So that when I read their books, I could see myself writing something like that and going, yeah, I'm proud that I wrote that. I am really happy that I wrote that book. And that is what you are looking for with your take on any genre. Genre is, is unique to the individual who writes it. There is no one true way to write a fantasy novel. There is no one true way to write a suspense novel. It is unique to the author who writes it, who brings things that matter to them and put it, puts it into their stories. Um, so you want to get 10 books by at least two and maybe three or four different authors who write stuff that you just love. And you really ought, this is an ethical thing here, you really ought to buy print copies new of each of the books that you use because these people are going to be teaching you how to write their genre. And the only thing they're going to get for it is the 25 cents royalties from their freaking publisher. <laughs> So unless unless they're indie published and oh yeah, in which case yeah. they might get five or six bucks. But yeah. um, either way, uh, they are not going to get rich for teaching you what they know. So you know, at least pay them something. Yeah. Um, and then you read through these. You make sure that you have highlighter markers, and you want green, blue, and pink if you can find them. And what you're going to do is you are going to read through, and you go are going to mark all dialogue in each of these books in green. You are going to mark all action in each of these books in blue. And you are going to mark all description in each of these books in pink. And then you're going to just kind of riffle through the pages and get a, a gestalt, a, a sort of overall feel of how much of each of these three elements is in each book. How much of it is dialogue? How much of it is action? How much of it is description? And this is subliminal learning. From going through and doing this, you'll start getting a feel for not just the way the genre works, but the way individual authors in the genre work and how there are some variances in how much of each of these three things an individual author will use, but also overall how much you're looking at for, for the genre itself. And this is important because if you find yourself writing in a genre that is uniformly about 60% to 70% action with light dialogue and light description, and you try to sell some heavy um, dialogue and, and description heavy um, manuscript, you're, it is going to feel wrong to the editors who read it, and you are going to have a hard time moving it. Uh, you might end up indie publishing it. You might find your group of readers through that. But if you are aiming to publish professionally, uh, commercially rather, um, then you are looking at giving editors what they expect and then making the content what they don't expect. Um, so structure here, you want, to, you want to understand at a subliminal level what the structure is. Okay, now, and that is uh, getting a gut feel for the shape of your story. 
So the next thing we're going to talk about here after you have your books is um, what do you love about the genres you love? And this can be very, very specific. So um, I'm going to throw two questions at you. What do you love about cryptids? And what do you love about fantasy? Specifics yeah, that, here. That's a lot better because I, I could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, cryptids, uh, I love the mystery. I love the idea that there are things out there that we have not discovered yet. Which is true, which is 100% actual fact that there are, you know, animals and, and species and, and places and things like under the ocean, especially, that we have not discovered yet. Um, I also love the idea of these, these creatures living, you know, in secret and they could be anywhere, you know, like we... I could have a skunk ape in my backyard and not know. <laughs> well, in your you backyard, know, the, that's entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the skunk ape has been spotted in Hyra and Valdosta. <laughs> and uh, there's this one dude in Ray City that absolutely, if you ask him about it, he will talk your ear off about the skunk ape because he's seen it several times. <laughs> or smelled it, I should say, several times. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's just, there's so much history and so much lore and so much... Um, so many little details and different stories from different people about all of these cryptids and there's there's this just amazing magic and mystery and and uh, danger for some of them and everything like that so I just I also love possibility <laughs> yeah you know like I I am one of the the people that you know I I kind of believe in Bigfoot <laughs> I, I do think that I, I mean, there's a lot of things like why haven't we found any bones and yada yada yada. But you know, I'm thinking that they bury their, bury their dead like we do, you know, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, trying not to go on and on about this. But yeah, I, <laughs> I absolutely love cryptids, um, and I also love animals, like way too much. So I think that that's also a part of it. Um, the second thing with fantasy is I, again, it's, there's a magic. Um, I love it, it. Fantasy is an escape world for me. Um, and it's funny to say that cryptids is not, but, but <laughs> fantasy is, is an escape world for me. It's, um, <laughs> I like the idea of a world without, you know, like electricity um, where when you're reading, you get all of these little details about how the water runs, how they get light. Um, you get all these details about these stone castles or these barns or, um, caves or wherever people are living. Um, you, fantasy authors also, at least the ones that I have read, go really, really deep into characters, which I think is something that other genres tend to miss out on. Um, but also you could run into gnomes or fairies or monsters or <laughs> elves or, you know, it's fantasy is a genre with many, many, many possibilities. And again, there's that, that possibility that's and magic and mystery. And that's really what I love. I also love silly little things like, um, uh, 
quest storylines or adventure storylines, you know, the 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 Tolkien-esque yeah. uh, <laughs> stories. But yeah, so um I'm trying to think like uh Martin, you know, you also don't uh, know if somebody's going to live or die. Well, yeah. That's it. It's terrifying. <laughs> yes, to 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 connect with a specific character and then have the author brutally kill that character for no apparent reason. Yeah, yeah. no reason. <laughs> just, so, hey, just want to make you nervous. <laughs> um, well, let me see. From my genres, uh, science fiction is the one I'm writing right now and the one that I'm really, really into. Fantasy is the one that I'm coming up with next with The Emerald Sun. So um, with science fiction, I love the fact that you can step into the future and see how human beings who have been human since the days of Chaucer and before who are recognizably the same people 600, 700 years ago that you know on the streets today, how will the way we are human now translate to six or 700 years in the future, or a thousand years in the future? How will your annoying next door neighbor be when your annoying next door neighbor has some fantastic new technology and uh, the ability to shape shift or change or because because that's what biology has has been um, or what science has been building for people or can become nearly immortal or you know what is the price to be paid when we can do more than we can do right now and I that is a question that just endlessly fascinates me is yes there is going to be some really cool stuff we can do in the future how much is it going to cost us and in what terms and how will we maintain our humanity if we can become nearly gods and what if we don't what happens then and that's that's the entire premise of of cadence drake and the longview series um, getting my own little plugs in for my own books here, by the way, hand wave, <laughs> hand wave, um, that, that this is what I want to know. And, and the future that I am building is a scary future in which I am, I'm not doing straight line extrapolations of where we are now. Uh, I am doing just small changes and seeing what happens, not with, with, wow, we can do everything in the future, but wow, we can do these small things but look at what it changes. And, okay, and then fantasy. Uh, magic's fun. I, I love superpowers. I love, you know, being able to give a character one thing, but then there's always a price. And, it, yes, sure, um, Kate in uh, Diplomacy of Wolves could shape change, but uh, it was a capital crime. And in spite of the fact that she had survived to her late to her early twenties when the book started, uh, she was, if she ever got caught, a criminal who was going to be pulled apart in the public square by four horses running in opposite directions. And she was a noble too. Yeah, well, that's how she managed to survive. Was she had people, and her people covered for her uh, until they couldn't anymore. And that's when the story starts. Is when her people can't cover cover for her anymore. So, um, you know, magic, but magic with a price. 
Magic that is not free. Magic that does not make everything wonderful. Magic that allows you to do some stuff, but that charges you with massive interest for the privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I love about that. Okay. So now the reason that we told you this is so you can go through and look at what you love in your genre and you're going to be, or the genre that you want to learn the stuff that you have read, the books that you have picked out as yes, I want this book to teach me how to do what I want to do. Um, you're going to be writing down a couple of quotes in the worksheets, the ones that really, really hit you that, that, that make you go, wow, that, that I want to do that. And then you're going to, to look through what, why this, particular passage? What is there in this passage that you really want to learn how to do? What makes it stand out? Why does it matter to you personally? Because what matters to you is what you're going to be writing. Um, You're going to be using, okay, and then there were several pages of that because I have you going for four quotes for a genre, and you're going to be doing these for each book. So it's four quotes per book, genre. So this is not a light process. I'm letting you know this right now. Learning to write a genre well the first time you write it, which was my objective because we were living on what I was writing and I didn't have anything coming in. So I had to learn this genre at record speed from having (laughs) not even read it to this point. Um, It was suspense romance was a brand new thing for me. I had never read any of it. So you are going to read the hell out of these books. You are going to tear apart everything you love about them. You are going to go into detail on why you love what you love. And you're going to save all of this because that is going to tell you what you need to include in your own work. And you will figure out how to get there from seeing how other authors do it. And you will figure out how to make it unique to you by the process of going through this, the several genres that you like and realizing that you can put pieces of those into the genre that you're writing and make sure that the story that you're writing matters to you, not just as, hey, this is going to uh, fill a slot on somebody's list. The, the equivalent, the book equivalent of this will make a turd. You don't want to be that writer. You want to have something where you can put your name on it and say, yeah, I wrote that. I wrote that, and it has me in it, and this is how you do that. Okay, so then we have gone through uh, why you love what you love, and then when you're reading the genre, you also have to look at what's in there that you really don't care about. What could you kind of do without? Um, And when you're reading science fiction, we, we, okay, your, your two were cryptids and fantasy. When you were reading either one of those, what are the things you could just kind of skip? Um, well, like I said, there's not a whole lot of cryptid um, fiction, so I'll just say romance and fantasy. Um, with romances in particular, I could skip a lot of the the drama that people feel need to be in. And I mean, I know that there is supposed to be conflict, but conflict and drama is completely different. Um, 
there's always these arguments. There's always these um, miscommunications. Oh, there's there's always this. Um, she doesn't love me. He, you know, or or it's it's more like he doesn't love me is from her perspective and for his. I'm not good enough for her. Um, which sometimes is good. Sometimes if it's written well, it's fantastic. But most of the time it's not written well. And it's trite. Yeah, it's very, very trite. Yeah. Um, sometimes people <clears throat> feel that way. So I'm not saying that everything is, uh, like for, for instance, um, Brock feels that way about Angie. Um, but it's just a lot of the will they won't they bullshit that goes on in romance <laughs> when it's poorly written that I could definitely do without um the the it, there's all there's this thing too where the woman is not usually my favorite kind of human being on the planet and the guy is always kind of being an idiot or doing things wrong and I don't like that fiction I like uh women that are stronger even if they're going through crap you know even if they do want a knight in shining armor I like the ones that are stronger that have a personality and that don't blame men for everything and I like the men to be individuals Mm -hmm. to to not be this this guy that was just written to to bang the woman and turn the (laughs) the reader on yes Yes, the brainless stud muffin. God, yes. save me from that. <laughs> yeah, or or the asshole, the rich asshole oh, that, God. you know, secretly has a heart of gold and just is an asshole because he has been hurt before. And the cliched characters I right. could do without. Give me a cliched character and then flip it. You know, give me some depth. Change something about it. Yes. Um, yeah, so the, the storylines also that I could get rid of is the... The rich person, and it's it's funny as hell that I'm saying this because the next person that I'm writing is going to be a rich dude. Really? And he's and, and most people actually look at him like he's an asshole. But I think part of it too is that I look at these these storylines that are so trite, you know, so obvious, so freaking stupid and and overplayed. And I I look at those and I'm like, okay, well I'm going to do that my way. Nice. So. Um, but yeah, so that's what I, I, there's so much in romance that I could get rid of. It, it's almost like I haven't read a good romance novel with how much bad I think I could <laughs> do without, but that's not true. Um, with fantasy, I, um, trying to think, I'm not really into cheerful child's fantasy. Like even when I was little, I like goblins in the castle and how goblin i like the the scarier ones yeah well you um you read my stuff at an early age so yeah <laughs> that'll twist you <laughs> i i don't really know because a lot of the times i am really really like i i just i maybe i don't read enough fantasy to have found bad ones because usually the ones i read um have a lot of recommendations so i'm not sure i mean i've read a couple of bad fantasy books where the characters were obvious ripoffs of other people and they were on a on a quest it seems like they're always the little 
the really poorly written fantasies are the ones where they're on a quest for an item. (laughs) Tolkien. Tolkien did, yes. He wrote something that was really long and had his editor had his way, it would have been a lot shorter and could have stood to be a lot shorter. Um, There is no reason for Tom Bombadil in that novel. But yeah, (laughs) there is just this huge desire to, to, that's how you write fantasy is you write a quest storyline. Right. And, and I love I love quests and adventures, but dear God. I like role-playing them. I am not too fond of reading them. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Tolkien rip-offs, the never-ending Tolkien rip-offs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I, and I'm with you on the romance thing, too. For me, uh, I'm going to go with science fiction and fantasy again. Um, with science fiction, what really annoys me is the tedium of uh, the writer who has researched all the science in the world and is going to, uh, as you know, Bob, it through uh, having two characters describe to each other all the science and how it works, um, and who fails to have a story that is engaging. And for fantasy, what really bugs the crap out of me is magic without a cost where people yes. can do, they can do anything because that's what the author would want to do. Yes. And the author does not consider that the whole point of fiction is to have characters overcome things. And if you have characters who can just wave a hand and magically fix something, all the conflict has gone out of the book and you have killed your story. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, stories like these still get published in spite of that, and I am uncertain <laughs> why. Um, yeah, but it's, it's that whole sort of wish fulfillment, um, that, that really bugs the crap out of me. (laughs) Yeah, that I get. I mean, that's, especially since, I mean, if you look at the way real life works, there's the batteries, right? They have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of energy, anything else like that, everything. Mm -hmm. So it's. Well, living beings, I mean, especially. So if you're a living being and you're using magic, that's why a lot of people would draw it from the earth. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you draw it from the earth one time and it lasts forever. Right. So you you still have limitations. And if you don't use them in your fiction magic like that, I mean, there's, there's no intrigue. There's no... Oh crap! Is the character going to survive? It's it's just it's th- there's no desire to see any of this work out because everything can just be fixed with magic, right? And it's just it's awful, especially characters. Just all of a sudden, they can do this or they can do that. They they gain new powers or um, they're perfect as well, right? They, oh they yes, have perfect nothing people. wrong with them. Oh yeah, bad bad bad. Perfect people are bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yes. Yeah, but that you touched on something really important there too that I hadn't really been thinking about here, uh, but it is important. Uh, it's it's not directly related to what we're doing here, but limitations are the most important part of your book. The things that your characters cannot do and that you will not ever let them do shape the skeleton around which a really good story can be written. And if you don't go into detail about what characters cannot do at the beginning or early in the process of defining your novel, then you are going to have this sort of runaway thing where, oh God, you have written myself into a story. (gasps) 
magic. And yes. yeah. And or science or no. No. Or the, or even if you're not writing any of these genres, suddenly your character can kickbox. Right. Yes. Your this is your the limitations your character faces have to be a religion for you. You have to say, well, this magic works this way and absolutely in no circumstance can it do this thing. And then you have to put the character up against a situation in which being able to do that thing would be really useful. And he can't. He can't. And that is where your conflict comes from. It's from what the character must do and can't do, and how does he work through that? Yeah, that's, uh, in writing Glass House, I put a lot of limitations on the characters and the magic. My problem was I hadn't actually built the magic and has it, how it worked, mm-hmm. so I had to go back and do that. But um, one of the brothers has a a kind of <laughs> unfortunate sort of curse of an ability. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't alter it doesn't change it doesn't add more i mean and throughout all the rest of the books it's not going to um i'll just i can't say anything cuz i know a lot of people want to read right. the books right yeah so it's you just can't killing me but, but i've i've got i've got for sure some limitations that are never going to change the entire seven or eight book series that i want to do cuz i want to do seven books with them in a prequel um, I don't intend for any of those limitations to change. And one of them is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, I have given those kinds of limitations to my folks, too. Yeah. Yeah. Some shit you just don't get to change. Some shit you have to live with. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, hey, welcome to life. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it, too. I mean, you've got this huge... You know, there's a lot of magic, there's a lot of weird creatures, there's a lot of uh, paranormal and possible extraterrestrial, you know, just, just with the group, and, and it's a Fulton Hill story, so there's all sorts of fun and mystery, but it's still, you know, there's a lot of real life in there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I used that with Caden Strake. Um, one of the earliest, one of the, one of the lines I put in the first scene of the first book was, you can't read you a corpse. They have this beautiful yeah. technology where uh, if you, you can be just devastatingly injured, but they can put you in what's called a medics. And the medics um, can rejuvenate, can rebuild cells, um, and it can get your, clear out any gunk that you've got in your bloodstream. It can put you back to the age of about eh, 25 to 30. It no saves matter. your ass. Yes, it saves your ass. But if you're dead, you can't read you a corpse. And that is, that does not change. That does not change through any part of the series. That will never change because dead, my friend, is dead. And you don't get to come back from that. And and it's very, very unfortunate where you read the book where she started that that line out. I almost wish you hadn't used it, even though it's an amazingly good first line. (laughs) But yeah, it ends up, you know unfortunately being used later and and that was a surprise to you when you're like no 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 oh shit it fits seriously but but yeah i don't want to ruin it for anybody who right hasn't read it yet right so, so yeah well now that wasn't actually the first line but that was in the get off the table, oh yeah it was in the, the first ass. the first yeah scene it was in the first she, scene yeah and that was it was just a throwaway 
But I, it was not a planned thing because I didn't know until I started writing the book that it was going to have Riju in it. But then, as I, because I had done no world building for that world until I started writing it. Oh, yeah, completely, completely out of character for me. Yeah. Um, but we were short on money and short on time. And so I just started writing and then I world built as I went. And shit happened. And to me, that, that doesn't feel like a world build as you went, but I know you ended up having to go back and fix something oh, that you broke. Oh, God, too, so. yes. I, yeah, that world got built as I was writing it, and then it got fixed as I was revising it. And the world building that was done on that was enormous and extensive. It just didn't start out that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, yes. One? So then the next thing that you do, after you have gone through and figured out what you hate, you go through and you decide, okay, well, that's not, that's what I'm not going to have in my own books. That's why you do this. That's why you see what these other writers write that you just hate. What? What? You're laughing. Or you're, or you're contrary ass and you decide, <laughs> hey, I'm going to do exactly that, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it right. Yes. Yes. That is valid too. And God knows I have done that as well. So, yeah, yeah. and in in books that have sold and published and sold well, it's, yeah, no, you did that wrong. I'm going to fix it. Yeah. So what we're doing here with the worksheet is you ask yourself, what do I love about the main character, the protagonist, for each of these books that you like? Or, well, love, preferably. If you can find stuff you love, do, do that. And then the second question is, what would I have preferred to be different with the main character? So this gives you... Um, some areas where you can see your own development, where you can start carving out your own little niche, where you aren't going to write carbon copies of somebody else's character. You're going to write characters that are true to you. And um, you've got several of those sheets. And then you're going to write for each book that you truly love, that makes you want to write the genre and shows you this is how it's done right. Why do I love this book? And you list every single thing. This is an item list where you list every single thing that you love. Um, I love the way the spaceships work. I love the way uh, space travel works. I love the fact that the characters uh, get are vulnerable and get beat up, uh, but they don't quit. Uh, I love yeah. the fact that the characters don't quit. I love the fact that uh, the space station is really cool. I love the fact that the spaceships are really cool. Uh, I, I love the the Riju tech. I'm you know I'm telling you about what I like in my own stuff because we're, we were talking about that and I just happened to be thinking about it. But anyway, you list every item that you can for each of these books that you just freaking love, and. Then <laughs> you go back through and you say, what would I leave out if this were my book? And again, this is a line item thing. You list everything. I would eliminate the conflict arguments. I would eliminate the, the, bo the guy who loves a woman because she's a bitch. I would, <laughs> because that's not lovable. I would, and this is, this is all my stuff. This is, you know, these are my little issues, but this is what I, I left out of mine. I do not have women who are bitchy because I don't like bitches. Um, See, I, I definitely, I think that 
there's a lot of things that people could possibly leave out. But if you're looking at something that you absolutely love, mm-hmm. that's that's gonna be a lot harder. Like I, some some books I there I couldn't think of anything. That's good that I would leave out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you find those books, um, buy a lot more by the author and see how they vary what they write and or see if they just yeah. got lucky with one because that happens too. Um, yeah. yeah. Or or if, if they started off really well, if you read a, a one and then by five, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're, they're only human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So our last question there is what would you love to see that isn't there already? And this is where you bring yourself into it, okay? That's the excitement. Yes. Okay, so, Becky, you're up. Uh, Your two chosen genres here. What would you love to see in the genre that you haven't seen done? Um... I guess because if, if you look at Glass House, because that's that's my thing was I wanted to write a paranormal suspense. But I love so many elements of fantasy. And I I want this world, Fulton Hills, to exist, you know? Even yes. if it's, you know, it can't be real, but it's it, it's real in the pages of my books. So there, there I just, I want... For for place like that to exist where there are ghosts, there are cryptids, there are, you know, there's magic, there's um, the land itself has this, it's, it's like a mishmash of all men, so many things that I have loved in different books and different stories and different, like, uh, I remember... There was this show, I think it was called Erie, Indiana, or Erie, or Erie, Pennsylvania, some, something like that. It was, um, it was a kid's show, but there was like this town that just like everything went wrong. There was all of these different problems, but you know, it was a kid's show and uh, it, you know, mostly was just about being scary or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Eureka or Haven, those television shows, they, they have their own kind of, of things too but they're always missing these elements to me so that's why I'm, I'm putting everything within Fulton Hills is that it's not just this paranormal because it always started off as paranormal mm-hmm. whatever I was writing it was always a ghost story but I want there to be um, cryptids I want there to be these little creatures that have an effect that that the old timers used to talk about like that the gremlins. young people don't think are real. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, I want there to be magic, but magic with a cost. And um, I'm thinking about adding the romance in there, but oddly enough, I'm I'm not sure. I think I'm just gonna let that naturally evolve. Mm-hmm. Because as I wrote it, one of the brothers and the psychic were supposed to hook up, but I was feeling it more with her and her best friend. Yeah. Which was really weird. Oh. But yeah. So um, that's what I want to add in there. With with romance, I want to add, which is why I picked the suspense. I want to add meaning. And a straight romance, there can be meaning. Ob- obviously, you know, absolutely. But I also feel like a lot of real life is missed in, in a lot of romances. And in putting in the suspense, I can do silly things too, like um, one of the short stories that I'm writing um, that's going to be for free or 99 cents or something like that. I'm putting a girl doing a cryptid hunt 
because she is just this this 20 something thing that is obsessed with with the skunk ape and different cryptids in her local area and she doesn't find it i'm gonna give you the spoiler right now there, there are no cryptids in wanda lucia <laughs> but she's looking but she's looking you know that's yes. that's a part of me that i'm putting in it but that's something that you don't see in a lot of romance i've never seen in a romance right as somebody who loves cryptids um or it's just i think that that kind of thing is is important to put more of people in romances a lot of them even though it's about people a lot of them are very flat they're just wham bam thank you ma'am and in general just i mean there's just romance is is looked down upon because of all the crap that gets published and romance is so important it is you know love in general is so important yes and i think by humanizing the genre more um they can you know more people can get into the books and and be excited about the the content mm-hmm yeah, well, that's with with my, my I, I I did I oh god I was so desperate for money at the point where um, one of my publishers did not pick up the option for a third book, and uh, I was learning this genre. I was learning this thing. I was freaking desperate, and I after I had sold. Um, well, actually, this was a little later than that because I had sold Midnight Rain and uh, Last Girl Dancing and Night well, and Echoes. And Midnight Rain was originally supposed to be something else. Oh, yeah. Midnight was Rain was going to be Phoebe Rain. It was going to be, I, yeah. I had nicknamed it the Mailbox Book uh, because that was where I had part of the idea for it. And then that idea came completely out of it, um, which is what happens if you go to the post office and you somebody has sent a package to you by mistake and it's a really scary package. And, uh, you know, it, you are not the intended recipient, but now that it's in your hands, baby, it's yours. What do you do? Um, and I still haven't used that story idea. Yeah, and that's still your idea. I still yeah. love that. I still love that. But there was this point where I put together 10 proposals, one right after the other. And I let me explain the process of a proposal for folks who don't know it. A proposal is you write the first three chapters, um, and then you write a synopsis of the rest of the book. And I wrote 10 of these things in a period of about a month and a half because we were broke. We had no money coming in. I hadn't sold anything. I had no idea where the next money was going to come from. And, you know, Matt was bringing in what he was bringing in, but that was um, you know, we were tight because in we South needed Florida. Yeah. In South Florida, it's ridiculous. when our rent was 1200 bucks a month, um, yeah, back, back in the, the late nineties, early, early 2000s. Yeah. And you had two growing teenagers yeah. that, you know, I, I, at that point, I think we were both still eating, um, pretty, pretty heartily. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, so I was, I put together 10 proposals and all of them were rejected, all of them. But, oh. but it was the eleventh one for Night Echoes that finally went through. 
but uh, the first 10 of them, that four book Ghosts and Gremlins t- series. I know. That I'm still pissed off about that because if don't they be, say yes, I'd have gotten that damn book. Don't be because I'm going to write them as indies. But, Good. but because Make I love money. that world. But I was looking at the same thing that you're looking at at what would I, what do I want to see in romance? And I wanted to see these women who were supernatural, who were ghost hunters, who had their own little ghost hunting business. And uh, they were in North Carolina because I love North Carolina, or maybe they were in Georgia. Either way, I loved Georgia too. I think it was North Carolina. I think they were in North Carolina. Yeah, because I was using the house on Blues Farm Road, the yeah. the John Blue house. Yeah, as yep, my, yep. yeah, that was my, my, um, thing that I was using is there the center if I ever get rich and famous I'm going to build you that house <laughs> I want that house so bad <laughs> so anyway um they were they were these four women all single um well one was multiply divorced uh one had lost her husband he died uh one was single uh and slept around a lot and one was a, a closeted lesbian and I wanted to write all four of their books. And uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring into romance. Well, a couple of the things. Uh, first, uh, I like writing diverse. I, I like writing multiple genders. I like writing multiple uh, races. I like, being, I, I like getting everybody into my novels. And um, with my main characters, I'm generally very vague about their descriptions. They generally have dark hair and dark eyes because almost everybody can then make that main character themselves. Um, and, you know, sometimes, as with Katie, she is a mix uh, because her mother was uh, interesting. I just think she'd be the most beautiful person in the world from the way you describe her. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yes. Yes, you know, she's, but she feels like she is a flag that's being waved in somebody else's war because her mm-hmm. mother um, did all of this genetic manipulation to her. And there's still a little secret out on her that but. I have been hinting at in, on my newsletter um, for, and I, I'm a couple episodes behind on that, but uh, there's still a little secret out on her that's going to show up later. So what, you, what you're doing here is you're bringing in what you love to a genre that doesn't already have it. And that is the thing that if you can do it, makes it yours. For me, in science fiction, it is very much that that thing where I have a lot of gay characters, I have some trans characters, I have um, uh, straight characters, and they all, and I have all races. Um, I might be the very first person to have an Eskimo villain. Uh, <laughs> seriously. And, you know, I don't know that anybody else has done that in fiction, but, you know, I, I grew up when, when I was nine and 10 years old with Eskimo kids. And I named my character, my villain after one of these kids who I really liked because I thought he should be a character in a book. (laughs) And, you know, and he was a great guy, but. (laughs) Named my villain after a dude I liked. Yes. Well, I mean, you, you should be somebody important in a novel and the villain was important. So he was an important character in the book. And for me, that that is important. Um, I am as politically incorrect as it is possible to be. But there are things that we are all human. And for me, the fact that the skin color is about the same as, as 
segregating a bunch of Cocker Spaniels. They're all Cocker Spaniels. No matter what color they come in, they are all Cocker Spaniels. They're not even um, a broad range of dogs. They're all the same kind of dog, and that's people. We have different colored skin, but we are all Cocker Spaniels, man. And, <laughs> you know, we are, we are so freaking closely related that um, you go back and everybody is everybody's ancestor. And to me, that's something that I wanted to get in, in my science fiction, in my fantasy, in my romance, uh, along with the whole mass of genders, and we all live together on this planet. Grow the fuck up. And, and, and that's so, you know, that's not stuff you generally find in a romance novel, but it's in mine. And that's not stuff you generally find in science fiction. Well, more in science fiction than any place else. Yeah. But uh, it's not something you generally find in fantasy, but it's in mine. And because that's what matters to me. So what you're looking to add into every book you write is what matters to you. And it can be big stuff. It can be little stuff. You know, it, it can be, if you have dogs, don't let them crap in other people's yards. You know, if that's, <laughs> if, if yeah. you know, if that's, if you are not a non-dog owner and you want to put that into a book and that matters to you, by God, do it. But or if you are a dog owner and you're a responsible dog owner and other dogs come and shit in your freaking yard. Yes. Yes, that you get to put that in the book. Because that's important to you. But there you can have big things that are important to you and then those can go in your fiction too. And yeah. okay, so that is that is how you do this. And like I said, there is a big worksheet. And because you're going to be reading for more than one word, one book and dissecting more than one book, it is a big sheet printed out multiply. So it's a really big worksheet. And this is a lot of work. Let me tell you, this is a freaking lot of work to do. But let me give you the outcome here. Because I told you the trouble I was in. And I told you that you know this was the thing that i had to do to get money into the house and it was scary and i did it and the f when i did it uh i and i said hey you know i owe linda howard and i owe jennifer cruzy um because those were the things that showed me what was possible in romance in in in, in humorous romance and hum romantic suspense and there wasn't a lot of humor in those books but they still owe a lot to Jennifer Cruzy because I knew that there was some humor that was permissible. Um, and I did this process, this exact, precise, step-by-step -step process that I have put out there for you guys. And my agent read the book and read the, the first part of it. I had, I had written the whole thing on spec, the whole novel. Um, it was Phoebe Rain at the time. And she made it through the first five or so chapters and, and, and called me so excited. And she said, this, this is the thing that I wanted to see on my desk more than anything else in the world. Then she read the rest of the book. <laughs> and the rest of the book went off in a wrong direction, massive wrong direction. But she sent it out anyway. And the editor who read it said, holy fuck, I can't get this character out of my head. Um, the book needs work. It needs big work. But if your author can revise it 
you know, agrees to revise to our specifications, um, we'll buy this. And okay, so that's first time out in a genre I had never written before um, with an agent who was enthralled by the first chunk of chapters and an editor who said, okay, the, the first chapters are so good that, you know, we will give the author our edits and if she can make the do the revision to our edits, we'll buy the book. And they and that's did. Very, very rare. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, you know, I mean, just because your first couple of chapters are fantastic, a lot of places aren't going to take um, on something that has derailed that much. Right. No, and so it had it had gone way the fuck off the rails. And it could have been because you have been a previous published author and you already had an agent and stuff. Yeah, well, the, the agent did the not same hurt. Time, yeah, but at the but, same time, that that shows the strength of how much you got right, right. in those first few chapters. Right, because the agent did most assuredly, because she's a good agent. My agent is Robin Rue, and she's at Writer's <laughs> House, and she is, by God, good. But um, the book, the, the first chapters, I got right. I mean, they were right. They were nailed. They were gripping. They are unchanged in the book Midnight Rain, which is out under my pseudonym, which is Kate Eon, which is spelled A-E-O-N. A-E. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> Eon, pronounced Eon, spelled A-E-O-N, because it was not my best choice of pseudonym ever. I liked it. <laughs> well, it, it does not make it easy for anybody to find me, but the first chapters in that book are unchanged. Uh, up through about chapter five, I think, or maybe six. And then and the first chapter I remember reading before, because you'd already written the first chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, years and years and years ago. No. Where she was sitting at the table oh. doing the tarot on the... Right, right. The phone. Yeah. Um, and then she maybe got not the... so many years ago. No, but it I was like a year before, a year or two before. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I had had you read that for me because you actually read in the genre. Yeah. But. And I freaking loved it. Yeah, that was, that was going to be a very different book. And it was going to be mostly about my Uncle Nick. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's cool. And then, yeah, he got completely cut out of the, out of it in the revision. So, um, I still haven't done a book for my Uncle Nick, but, yeah. You will. (laughs) Yeah. If you, if it's, you know, you can always put them in something. Yeah. So, anyway. We have a takeaway for this. Um, The takeaway is genre is a tool you use. It is not a master you serve. And it is really important. I love that. Yeah, to wrap your head around this. Because everybody does their genre differently. And they use the elements of the genre that matter to them and squeeze in the other elements from other genres and things as they can sneak them in. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes if you, especially if you are writing to something like a, a specific product line for a specific publisher, they are very, very specific about what can go in those books. Um, I never had to do that. So <laughs> uh, I, I, by the time I was writing romance, I had already established myself elsewhere. So uh, I was, I came in with my supernatural stuff already you know, this is part of what I do. And they were willing to let that be a part of what I do because I was writing, I wasn't writing for a line, I was writing standalone, um, just house books. 
Um, okay, but anyway, genre. It's a tool you use. It's not a master you serve. I keep getting derailed. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, um, the genre you build contains everything you love and nothing you hate. And this, again, is a really big freaking deal because people will think, oh, my God, well, I have to have the conflict argument in there. I have to have my two characters think that they don't love each other. And that is one of the things that I got from Linda Howard that, and that one of the reasons that I loved her was she never pulled the conflict, conflict argument crap. Her people loved each other. They had things, that, real things, standing in between them. They were attracted to each other. They knew they were attracted to each other. And they had real world shit to get through before they could be together. But it was never, oh, does he love me? I don't know if he loves me. Oh, he doesn't love me. I'm, I'm. <clears throat> anyway, um, the third thing is you're writing for readers who love what you love. And the, it's very, very easy to think, oh, God, everybody's writing X. Therefore, I should write X because there are a lot of people who are reading it. And there's a name for that, uh, for, for doing something you don't like for money. Uh, it's called prostitution. And for writers... Well, some prostitutes probably like what they do. Well, some probably do. And if they do, hey, you know, more power to them. But for the ones who are thinking that they are going to be the one writer whore who has a happy ending... Um, no, it doesn't work that way. If you hate what you write and are writing it anyway, you will learn to hate to write and yeah. you will just have, you will just make yourself miserable. Whereas if you are willing to be a little brave and only write the stuff you love and do the best that you can writing it, the people who love what you love will find you. And it, it's, you know, you, I'm, I'm not saying you're going to get rich at this. God knows I haven't, but, um, we do okay. And I get to write, I get to go to work every day and be thrilled with what I get to do every day as my job. And I, you know, I like writing nonfiction and I write classes and I like writing fiction and I write novels and short stories and weird shit. And, and that's, that's my life. I, I get up, I roll out of bed and I do my, my shower and stuff and bop to the door right next to the bedroom and sit at my desk. That's my commute. And it's beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. I, I, I love my job. And I have loved my job for more than 30 years, including the first seven years when I didn't get paid a penny for doing my job. It was still my job. And how many people can say that? Yeah, not many. Yeah. So this is... I mean, that's... It's, it's, we're talking about a percent of a percent at that point of people who have a dream, people who follow that, people who work hard enough to, to actually do something with their dream, and then people who be consistent about it. Yeah. So, Yeah. And then who, who still love the work 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. It's find the thing you love and do that thing. And if this is the thing you love, this is how you can make it happen. How you can find your way into a genre that will pay and still bring yourself into it and still bring what you love into it and still make it work and, and still find your people because your people are out there. There is no one in the world so freaking unique that nobody else has ever thought, wow, 
dog shifter romance. I swear. Yes, that, I'm not a shifter romance no. person at all. No. But, but. Boy, are there a lot of people who like who them. Who are, yes. Yeah. Yes, no, no, I'm, I, I like my people people. Believe me, <laughs> whatever kind of weird you are, there's somebody else out there that will share that weirdness. Yes. And it's, it's not about don't don't look at it as oh i'm not unique then look at it as i have people yeah <laughs> there are people out there like me that will get me i am not alone and if i write this my people will be happy because they'll realize that there are you know they're not alone either for them yeah 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 they're not alone <laughs> yeah because the most the, the most astonishing thing is how many people believe there's nobody else in the world like them and nobody else who would understand them. And they just haven't found their people yet. And you can help yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. And some people will never find their people. Yeah. Because they never try. So, yeah. Just write what you love. Be quirky. Be yourself. Because it, it definitely, you're, you're going to not just help yourself, but you're going to help other people. Right. Right. And, so, you know, that's a good way to look at life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do good for for yourself by doing good for others. That's the paraphrase of Ben Franklin. <laughs> so is there anything else that we you want to say? I know we already did take away. Is there anything else on this topic that you want to say? Um, n- not really. I guess uh, for, for once I am going to actually make a little plug for my books. Um, I have the, the Longview Chronicles out now, which is the entire six-book series in one volume and um i would really really appreciate folks buying it and reading it uh, and and then you know if you love it reviewing it because god i could really use some reviews <laughs> yeah please put some reviews on amazon <laughs> they, they are it's amazing like maybe half a percent of the people that buy books will actually leave a review yeah. and it's it's tough for an indie writer it is <laughs> it is it's really tough and i would you know i would really appreciate it over to you okay <laughs> well um yeah so if if you have been you know if even if you've read a um, one or two of the longview chronicles it's a great way to support the podcast because eventually i mean holly is the the basic you know holly's writing classes is the sponsor so that goes back to holly holly is the sponsor of this podcast and if you want to support the podcast and her um if go buy the longview chronicles read it you know and uh let her know what you think by leaving her a review um and it's a great way to support a person who is uh supporting a whole bunch of other people by teaching so much and giving so much you know like this podcast is free we we don't have any advertisements if we do it's going to be things that we use and we believe in um someday yeah (laughs) so yeah if you would like to support the podcast itself as a one time we have on our page alone with invisible people.com on the right hand side at the top there are three tiers to give us a one-time support um amount of money <laughs> it's, it's uh just a way to um show your appreciation for the podcast if you would like to support us on an ongoing basis we have a patreon it is a i a r w i p or you can search to have you know alone with invisible people or alone in a room with invisible people and we have three tiers there we are working on the reward system for our people 
and every dollar counts seriously um i can't stress that enough that even if you only have a dollar to give that is a dollar that makes a difference so i mean i really really appreciate everybody who you know wants to support us um again you can also go to holly's patreon where she posts her, you know, obviously look up Holly Lyle, L-I-S-L-E on Patreon. She is doing her thing, which is writing fiction and sharing that. So depending on the tier, you get different things. You can follow us on the socials. We are on Instagram and Twitter. It is at A-I-A-R-W-I-P. You can search the Alone in a Room with Invisible People hashtag as well as Alone with Invisible People. We are on Facebook. It is Alone in a Room with Invisible People. If you want to leave us a comment or just let us know you enjoyed the podcast, you can do it on our blog, which is alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Just find the episode that you listen to. Let us know what you think. But if you want to join in the conversation, um, maybe suggest topics for us to go on or even get answers to questions you felt weren't covered enough within the episodes, go to hollyswritingclasses.com, join the forums. They are free. Uh, you also get the free three-week how um, to write flash fiction that does not suck course which is a really good course and it does not just help with flash fiction but um, again that's free it's three weeks and you get that automatically so then come into the forums and just go ahead and jump right into the conversation I think we need to have a welcome to the forums or welcome to Holly's writing classes for for new people area where they can introduce themselves that, or something that would be too. a good idea right in the right yeah. in that forum just hi yeah. here here I'm here <laughs> yeah, yeah something. this is me but <laughs> but yeah so uh find the episode if it, it like with this one if you felt like there was a certain aspect that wasn't covered enough or you need more information we are both here we are both on the forums we both um are a part of that community as well as amazing writers that have been with Holly since I was a freaking teenager, preteen. Oh yeah. Since I was a preteen. Yes. And a lot of the mods, you know, they've even seen me grow up. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean you're you're looking at a lot of people who have been with Holly for a long time and are incredibly knowledgeable and so amazing. This this is just a shout out to the to the Holly fans and the Holly friends and the Holly students and the Holly people. I have the it, best people on the internet. I do. Yeah. And I just, I don't see any, the, the only other group that makes me think of this group is my uh, fan art workshop consortium group that I am a part of on, on the Facebook pages, but it's still nothing like this because you have cultivated this, this community for so long and they are the most supportive people they are the most helpful people and I just I, I cannot stress enough if you are a writer and you are listening to this and you are thinking someday do at least do yourself this favor join the forums start looking around a lot of the forums are free start talking to people because that is a step in the right direction and these people are are here to be helped themselves and to help other people and to be around people that are like them and we're all very very different <laughs> we are 
but we we are all together in this this one thing which is writing yeah all right so that is it for this week i i'm sure i left some things out at the end there i need to really have um like a bullet list for me to to cover <laughs> oh we are no longer doing the ebooks for reviews so just at this at this point that is done um but we would love reviews anyway <laughs> we would and um we are becky and i are batting around some sort of contest concept right now for next yeah. year so well it'll be this year by the time well, for you hear this, this year so, yeah when yeah. this comes out yeah all right so that's it i hope that we have helped you i hope that this um has it, it, the, don't forget to download the worksheets because oh and i wanted to say if you don't have a printer if you don't have ink if it's too expensive to print out these these worksheets do not let that be in an excuse get a freaking notebook um download the free worksheets that we're giving you for this episode and just do it anyway and just write it all out right oh and i i do need to say something here too about the worksheets you do not have to join a list to get them you do not have to give your email address you do not have to give any yep. personal information you just click the freaking button and you get the worksheets there is these are absolutely utterly no no hurdles to overcome free yeah yeah any any of the worksheets that we have right through this podcast that are going to be up on the Airwood page are just like this. Yeah, we we don't do that. So yeah, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess that's it, Holly. Why don't you give us our final goodbye? Okay. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, this has been fun, and and for the person who asked the question, thank you for asking, and for the other people who also ask have asked this question in the past, thank you for asking, and I hope. Uh, that this helps you find the path to writing your genre your way. And now, a word from our sponsor. You want to write, you love words, you love fiction, but you don't know where to start, or how to middle, or where to finish. I do. I'm Holly Lyle, and I've been doing this professionally since 1991. And I know how I did what I did to go pro. And I'll be happy to show you what I've learned. Start with my free three-week flash fiction class at hollyswritingclasses.com.